0: Welcome back to Who The Hell Is This For? And we truly mean welcome back because it's been a minute since we have recorded. That's right, this is the start of season three of our loosely defined structure of our show. Uh, the seasons come and go as they please, and we don't really have a, a good good outline of what that looks like. How you guys
1: been?
2: <laughs> what an intro. Uh, yeah, doing good.
1: Brother, are we you not doing? are we not i'm doing good are we not plugging the uh public transportation anymore
0: <laughs> <laughs> no i uh it's been so long that I forgot to drop in our plugs after doing the intro, but I did want to say uh please continue to support uh wherever you are local black and trans organizations as well as any um indigenous first nations first people's organizations also something that I think is super important and we we as in the three of us and we as a society as a whole, I don't think we talk about enough. So go out of your way to support any of those organizations, um, any artists, creators, anybody of a marginalized population, really. Uh, just may, That's where your money and your engagement with art should be going.
2: I think especially during the Christmas season, people are buying gifts. Um, if you can, yes, try not to do like... Amazon for everything I definitely understand Amazon for some but if you can support local organizations um, near you and if it's possible to support black trans and indigenous people organizations as part of your Christmas giving um, definitely would recommend that we'll drop some links to some Kansas City organizations um, when we drop Mm -hmm. the episode yeah and then
0: other than that I think we are ready to uh, pick things back up Get things rolling again. Pick up the pieces. And a, what a... Uh, pick up the pizzas? Pieces. <laughs> Are we getting pizza? <laughs> we have a new pizza
2: sponsor. <laughs> Little Caesars, hot and ready. Sponsoring. I'm glad three.
0: we all went to the same place with that bit, because Little Caesars truly, for a long period of time, could have been the sponsor of our pod- podcast.
2: I think we're still willing yeah, I don't think we'd say We are no. hot and ready. <laughs> Fuck it. We'll give them shout outs even if they aren't giving us pizza. We just like it that much.
0: <laughs> no free ads except for the ones we give free ads
1: to. Super horny for Little Caesar's ads.
2: <laughs> no new friends except for Little Caesar's. And anyone else. <laughs> anyone? <laughs> anyone want to be our friend?
0: <laughs> We're hurting. You know, I was going to say, what have you guys been watching, but it's been so long that I just want to say, what are you guys watching right now? Or what are you guys doing? Well,
1: I had just, this last Saturday, or I guess yesterday, um, I finished Return of the King and that marks, uh, I've been watching uh, Lord of the Rings every Saturday morning since the dogs wake me up at the ass crack of dawn and I'm the only one up, so... <laughs> I think I might venture off into The Hobbit next. You should. Hot take, the Hobbit movies are good. I like them. I'm curious. I kind of want to check out the, the new 4K yes. remaster that Peter Jackson did. Um, apparently, he did a lot of good work on those.
0: I've, I've read some reviews on it, and I've heard it, the transfers are very good.
2: I'll have to check it out.
0: Jeff, what about you?
2: Um, you guys are going to make fun of me for this. I, I apparently watched Weekend at Bernie's for the first time yesterday. Um, <laughs> that movie has lived in my conscious, like, basically my entire life. Like, I know the plot. I know everything about it. I thought I knew all the characters. And then, like, Sarah and I sat down to watch it yesterday because it's on Prime now. And I was like, I don't think I've actually seen this movie all the way through um it holds up great i mean it is a fantastic movie you don't need me to tell you that weekend at bernie's is really good but i fucking loved it it's a great time it's a good (laughs) movie to like take your mind off the world
0: confession time i also am in the same boat and just have like weekend at bernie's like existing in the cultural zeitgeist but i don't i've never seen it never just sat down to watch it
2: it's super worth your time like it's it's a classic for a reason, but there's also some things that are classics that when you watch them, you're like, it's fine. But, like, Weekend of was actually, like, great. So, Yeah. Right on.
0: All right. And then recently I, as of last night, have just started watching the Animaniacs reboot, and it rips. It is so unbelievably good, and I couldn't have imagined... That they would have ever captured the spirit of the original so well, and it it just feels like a continuation. And they have two decades worth of jokes to catch up on, so it's perfect. Oh, that's awesome. They uh, they run through it in the first episode with one of a uh, Yakko's songs, and uh, he just goes through basically like everything that's changed.
2: I love. That. They do
0: a good. Uh, they do a good trumpet where they. Uh, they mention, well, they run through presidents, and they mention a, having a President Trump, and then they stop him. He's like, well, we're writing this in 2018, so we don't know if he's actually still president when the show airs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So
0: a lot, of, a lot of very good stuff like that. They dropped in a, uh, a gender-neutral pronoun joke in their uh, new ty- um, theme song. And when they do that, there is a clip of them, basically just like dunking on some overweight white dude sitting at a computer. So they they definitely know what they're doing, and they've aged. It it's a modern animaniacs, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel forced or trite or anything like that. That they ha- are like, all right, what are the hot button topics? We have to make jokes about them. Uh, no, they just they see what's going on and they really just rolled with it, and it's awesome. Nice.
1: And that's on HBO Max, right? That is on Hulu, oh. which I don't
0: understand because you know they're the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister, like that's the whole thing. And Warner Brothers owns HBO Max, which we could talk forever about that. Um, going to do just a very brief tangent. I don't know if people listening have heard the news. I'm sure you have. Warner Brothers has announced to... I I should make this plug since I'm advertising a Warner Brothers product. Uh, It's only right. Guys, Warner Brothers has announced to put all of their entire slate of movies next year onto streaming the same day they hit theaters. This is a really bad move for theaters. Um, Very good for the consumer, but... Really, really going to hurt your local theaters, especially if you have some independent theaters like we have the Screenland Armor in Kansas City. Screenland Tapcade has already closed. We don't want to see Screenland Armor go under. So if you are going to, I know like I'm not going to the theater either right now, but Screenland has online rentals, private rentals, um, to-go snacks and beers, gift cards, merch. Or even if you're going to watch one of these movies at home, go online when you do it and buy a ticket to it at Screenland. You don't even have to go. Just buy the ticket. So I, there's just so much that I worry about with this move by uh, Warner Brothers and HBO Max. Yeah. That said, I did really love the new Animaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> Man is a complex being. <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about underwater. Uh, which, hey guys, did you realize this came out in 2020?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What? That's how that's how long this damn year has been.
2: Jesus Christ! Like I not right for in, sure this
1: was like 2018.
2: Right in January, nope. right?
0: Yes, it was in theaters for about three weeks. And then got pulled because nobody was going to see it. It wildly underperformed at the box office. And there is some early discussion of it being almost definitely a future cult classic or a uh, midnight movie. If you're seeing like a double feature, triple feature, it would drop in perfectly in there. And for very specific reasons that we'll talk about later. But before we do, if you have not seen Underwater... It is available on HBO Max, Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime, or just available for rent or purchase on VOD. Please go watch this movie before you listen to the rest of this episode, because there is so much in uh, in this movie that is made better by going in blind. I went in not knowing anything and had the time of my life because of it. So please... If you are even considering watching it, go watch it on HBO Max, Hulu, or Amazon Prime. Then come back and listen to the rest of the episode.
2: Cosign. Retweet.
0: <laughs> what do they do on Parlor?
2: <laughs> Scream into the void. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, before we get into the actual discussion on Underwater, I want to do a brief uh, Rotten Tomatoes rundown. So, it has a 47% on the tomato meter and a 60% audience score, which neither of them are particularly high. The, uh, the critics' score is definitely... that it seems low to me. I'll say that. Just for the sheer amount of enjoyment I got out of this movie... It was directed by William Eubank, starring Kristen Stewart, Lamarck from Oceans 12, or Vincent Castle, uh, Mama Duathy, or Athie, TJ Miller, John Gallagher Jr., and Jessica Henwick. And that's it. There are six people in this cast, which I think is a great decision, and we'll talk more about that here in a bit. But, oh my... Donald Clark of the Irish Times, that's right, we're getting back into our Rotten Tomatoes or our Rotten Reviews. <laughs> Donald Clark of the Irish Times said Last night I saw my Kristen making a bomb. Ooh wee. Murky murky. Cheap cheap. One out of five.
2: What the fuck? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is that a reference to something we don't know? I don't know. Are they song it's
0: I don't like it. Is I he whatever like a, just is he happened like certified there. critic? He is a top critic.
1: Oh Jesus Christ. On Rotten Tomatoes. Was he drunk
2: or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's like border
0: I mean if you're going off stereotypes, maybe. It's like
2: borderline baby talk.
0: Yeah, it's like almost baby talk, almost like ooh woo, notice me senpai, like
1: Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Kristen Stewart is Kristen
0: Stewart. Ooh, God. <laughs> TJ Miller. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not even gonna read any others just because that like. <laughs> Bring it back. A brief plot synopsis before we get into what it does right. Do either of you guys want to tackle that? Because it's very simple.
2: You guys ever seen Squidbillies? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's
0: That's it. This is Squidbillies, the movie. It's
2: basically Squidbillies.
0: Before we do the synopsis, last chance to get out if you haven't seen this movie.
2: All right. So, this movie... Is basically, it's basically two different movies, right? It's basically Alice in Wonderland underwater, and it's basically Alien. We're gonna talk about underwater. that, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, and so they, they, there's a crew where their deep water drill explodes right at the very beginning. They have to get out to the. If
0: I had a nickel. <laughs> you ever had your deep water drill explode? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who among us? Um, their deep water drill explodes. They have to get to the other drill on the other side. Um, a mile,
0: a mile away. away. Seven miles down, right? Yeah, yeah. They have to go seven miles further down to the sea floor. floor and then walk a mile across. Them. Right.
2: In order to get to the pods, in order to escape. Because there's nobody coming from them in time to make sure they don't die, basically. And there's squidly diddlies everywhere.
0: Many squidly diddlies. Shout out to our friends at Nightmare Junkhead, yes. who we, we briefly talked about this uh, when Jeff and I went on to Into the Mouth of March Madness. Uh, Genius had not seen it yet. I hope he has by now, because I'm sure he would love this, but we, we briefly hinted there and Jeff had you seen it at that time yet or was it just Greg and I that had seen it
2: Yeah, I don't I hadn't seen it.
0: Oh man. Because we we briefly hinted there Jeff alluded to alien and the overt references to Alice in Wonderland, but the big thing, the big selling point of this movie and not really a selling point because they managed to keep it a secret until you get in there and that's why I stress going in blind. This is a Lovecraft movie. They like they go full bore into the Cthulhu mythos. Mm-hmm. And I the entire time when I saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, I I want them to go that direction. I want them to do it. I want old gods. I want Cthulhu. I want all of this deep sea horror. They're not gonna do it. I was like, there's no way the type of movie this is, it's like your quote unquote blockbuster, even though it made no money. It's your attempt at a big budget like sci-fi horror movie. I was like, there is absolutely no way they're going to do it. And they went for it. They actually went for it. And I was so unbelievably thrilled. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get into what we liked about the movie. Since I kind of blew the doors off that one already mm-hmm. with the fact that they just they went for mm-hmm. it with this movie.
2: I think the first thing we should talk about is the references and who got them and who did not so ty you want to kick us off yeah so
0: yeah we were we were talking the other day and this this comes from uh this guy spun out of discussion a tj miller's character who will kind of come up i think in a middle area well there's just going to be discussion around that character uh but we were talking and i said something about the alice in wonderland references in here and jeff was like Oh, yeah, because I there was a one you said. Oh, yeah, you're like, yeah, because the bunny? I was like, well, that and, you know, the Cheshire Cat tattoo. We're all mad here written on his suit. The frequent quotes pulled directly from the book that he says. And Jeff was like, oh, yeah, I didn't get any
1: of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, I think what I said was like, I mean, it's it's pretty clear. Like, we're not doing this podcast because we're necessarily uniquely qualified <laughs> to to look at movies or, or analyze them or anything. So I'm glad I had Ty to call out some of the pieces that I was missing. Um, but yeah, the first time I watched this, I did watch this again this morning um, to try to have a different eye. Which
0: very briefly after or during, Jeff texted us and said, yeah, there are so many Allison. in yeah, Wonderland there's like, references.
2: there's like 20, and we'll kind of go through them all in a little bit, but it was just something that, like, I I watched this movie pretty late at night after a couple of beers the first time, and so maybe I'm just like, haha, underwater action movie. <laughs> murky, murky me like. <laughs> murky, murky, cheap, cheap. <laughs> uh, but no, the the first time... I did not have a great analytical lens for this movie, which is okay. Sometimes just watching a movie because yeah. you enjoy it is good. But the second time I watched it, I, I picked up, there's just a ton. And one may be the fact that I've never actually read Alice in Wonderland. Like the book, I've never read it. I've only ever seen adaptations of it, really. Um, and so when he was pulling out quotes, I was like, that has no reference for me at all. Um, should have gotten... Alice, in the book, when Alice cries tears, she almost drowns. Probably should have picked that one up. That one's pretty overt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I kind of want to talk briefly as a group about kind of the some of the references in here and some of the symbology. So, I mean, obviously, when you take a step back, the big one is they are going from a world they understand, they're falling down a rabbit hole into basically a wonderland that they don't understand. Um, And so when they Really the shit starts happening When they descend Like when they go down to the seafloor And have to deal with all of the Creatures and things like that I did think to be totally honest When they first started this movie I thought there was going to be a bigger Madness element Like people start losing Mm -hmm. their shit um, Kind of like um, The abyss um, Where they all start to lose their shit And go crazy on each other but Um, or even the thing yeah 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 but but really like it's more about them reacting to the monsters rather than they themselves losing their shit in any specific piece
0: i i agree with that and i i think adding the madness element here would have been really great but without it we were still able to get a very solid creature feature
2: yeah totally agree what other things, like from the Alice in Wonderland references list, were you guys thinking about? I mean, so the allusion
0: to Alice in Wonderland as a whole, like plot-wise, really kind of ends with going down the rabbit hole, the um, going into a world they don't understand, and then the behemoth, as it's been deemed by the creative team, the Cthulhu monster, Uh, that that's basically the Jabberwocky, but that's the the plot similarities end there. And then I think a lot of it is more just symbolism and atmosphere and really trying to emphasize just those elements without really having much of anything analogous as far as story
2: goes. I do want to, before we move on to other things that we like, my wife and I were having the conversation, because my wife watched this movie with me twice, which is very rare um, for for <laughs> a movie like this to watch with me twice. Um, I think we both really liked it. The, we were trying to figure out, for Tj's T.J. Miller's character, is he more like the Mad Hatter, or is he more like the Cheshire Cat? And I think he's probably supposed to be more analogous to the Mad Hatter, because he's like the... Like, relief, you know, of the movie type of mm-hmm. thing. But I was curious what you guys thought about that.
0: I think Hatter, <laughs> Riley does not have much of a frame of reference. at well, least.
2: Have you ever seen I, Alice in Wonderland?
1: Maybe once when I was, like, five. I Yeah, I got nothing for this conversation, so. <laughs> I'll tag in a little bit later. <laughs> you guys, yeah, you guys just run with it.
0: If he had been more of like a guiding force and the one telling them where to go, then he would have been more on the Cheshire Cat side, but with, one, taking care of the bunny because, you know, they're the Mad Hatter and the March Hare, um, because he also has the March Hare element, but taking care of the bunny and the way they ended up framing it, because as I texted you guys, that was supposed to be a real bunny, Oh, and they... They changed it for safety reasons, but they shot a bunch of scenes with him holding a real rabbit. And But then they, they just put it in with the stuffed rabbit because the stuffed rabbit was originally a stand-in, and they just made it that element of his character. Apparently, uh, the shot where they're loading up, and he's the only character whose name I can't remember, but Emily's boyfriend that survives at the end that they drag across the ocean, and this dude probably should be super dead. But he, um, when they load him in and she gives him the rabbit, there's like a split-second frame, apparently, where it is a real rabbit she's handing him.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, so oh, wow. The, the whole madness element is almost accidental there as well, gotcha. but I still think it fits better for him to be the
2: Mad Hatter. Riley, what? Uh, now that we're kind of moving on from uh, Alice in Wonderland, what did, <laughs> from Alice talk, what did you like about this movie? Uh,
1: I really enjoyed the atmosphere that this movie built. Um, I think that, I think it did a really good job of making you feel like you are in the world with them, um, like you're trapped on this deep water oil rig, um, or whatever kind of rig it is. Um, you know, it's very they do a good job of creating like very claustrophobic scenes. Um and like not knowing what's around you. I thought that was a really good job.
0: Yeah, atmosphere is huge in this movie. And I think I I just love like underwater and aquatic horror in general, and it really just there's such a certain vibe to it that I think it nails here.
2: Yeah, totally agree. I thought, I mean, that's one of the the best things about this movie is the fact that it's able to do um a space movie underwater right there's tons of of pieces of art that make a very clear like analogy between the two you know and i mean you're you can't go out without special equipment it's dark you have no idea what's out there Nobody... Well, the suits
1: even look like spacesuits. Right. I mean, right. Mm-hmm.
2: The in the inside of the drill is clearly like the inside of a spaceship as well. So I thought that it was cool.
0: That... Oh, very much like the inside of a spaceship. Like set design pulled directly from Alien. Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Which I loved. The, That's not a knock. The idea that like both of them have like an unstable energy core. You know what I mean? Like it's it's all the same hallmarks of a science fiction space movie in a totally different setting. And so it allows for, mm. you know, I've always thought, to be totally honest, I've always thought like deep water and the ocean is like one of the scariest places on earth. Cause like a hundred percent, I mean, what the fuck you know what I mean, you see some of the creatures that like actually live there and you're like, I don't think so. No, thank you. James Cameron. I don't understand.
0: <laughs> deep sea terrifying. And the fact that we know so little about it still is horrifying to me Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. this could be a documentary who knows yeah easily could
1: (laughs) um another thing i thought they did really well uh was creature design Ooh, yes um the creature uh,
0: design and practical in general
1: the the deep throating squids i thought were really cool (laughs) 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 um and I, I liked the uh, well pretty heavy-handed uh, alluding to Alien when they find the baby that pops out of the oh teammate yeah teammate or whatever I don't know what you want to call them um, but yeah I thought I thought they were cool monsters um, obviously the Leviathan or whatever you want to call it um, squid daddy He was cool yeah um, the the baby is some of the best prop
0: design and, like, practical effects in this movie. Yeah. It looks so good.
2: Yeah, I was impressed. Um, I was impressed with the baby. I was also impressed, like, they do kind of this weird thing where, like, occasionally the, like, medium squids are, like, standing, like, go- like mm-hmm. men, and then they're also, mm-hmm. like, these... Squid creature, like, you never get A real good feel for, like, where their Body kind of starts and ends And I kind of like that, I like when you don't Get, like, a full picture Of the monster, and I love Especially at the very end, where, like You You understand The size and scope of the monster Before you fully see the monster, right It's it's the Mm -hmm. same with, like, the Godzilla Problem, right, like, if you just show Full Godzilla the whole time You're like um you get kind of bored of it after a while it does it, it loses its effect and its scale and so only seeing parts of the monster for like a long time i thought was a really good you know decision definitely
1: oh yeah like as we're building up well cuz once they hit the seafloor you get you definitely get more of them but i liked it when they were uh towards the beginning when you would get shots of like them standing off in the distance mm-hmm. like watching them i thought that was really yeah. cool
0: so, Riley, this is—I I can't imagine Jeff has this frame of reference, but I know you do. The shots where they, they, they're lit up and they briefly have, like, two little pinpoints of light for their eyes, that, that look is almost exactly the same as the night vision on the enemies in Outlast.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And
0: it's so—it was so unsettling.
1: Is that a game? I played I played some of that last night. You did? Yeah, it's it's up on my Twitch channel now, so.
0: I will have to I will have to watch that. Yeah, by the way, Riley is uh now streaming on Twitch. He's a Twitcher. So you can find him there.
1: Um but yeah, definitely. Uh the terrorizing glow of the eyes off in the distance. Something else this movie I think does really well is The
0: characters like feel like a team. They feel very realistic. I there are elements of caricature with TJ Miller, but also like we you know, everybody knows a guy like that too. The Like Riley texted our group, uh Riley and I would be the guys in the middle of a disaster saying, Do you watch anime? I like anime. (laughs) (laughs)
2: The only the only one at the beginning that I thought was weird was like when Rodrigo and Nora are like running to close the bulkhead like he knows who she is and says Nora like all the time and then later she's like Rodrigo right and then like after yeah. that like she knows him like really well so like I thought that was like a weird like there was a kind of a blip there where I don't think they did a great job explaining like why she knows him so well, but also she didn't know his name. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they did that to establish that could be like, you know what I mean? But, but it was a weird, like actual backstory relationship between them. So,
0: and I think part of it, like that could have been to like, she could have been in shock after the entire thing exploded on her in those first couple minutes. Like when the entire thing collapses oh, yeah. and Severe she brain gets damage. a blasted out. there. Yeah. <laughs> they also, um, I was reading a listicle about just like stuff from the commentary and they never highlight it, but her glasses get destroyed in that explosion. And so she can't see the rest of the movie.
2: That seems oh. like something they should have hit on more because I didn't.
0: Yeah. I, yeah did even think about that. I mean, there's... Yeah, like, she, she can see she just has a very bad vision.
2: There's clearly, like... I mean, when you're looking at it from her perspective, or if you're, like, looking through her screen, there's a lot of stuff where, like, it's very unclear. But, like, that could just be because it's the bottom of the ocean, you know?
0: Murky, murky, cheap, cheap. Right, right. right,
2: Um And so... Um, I don't know, like, it's if that was a, a choice, like, they didn't necessarily emphasize it in any specific piece. Like, if, if she was inside without her, like, helmet and couldn't find stuff, I think that would have been more effective. But
0: mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. There's a lot I like about this movie, but mostly it's, like, it comes down to creature design, set design, and the, the choice they make at the end. Oh, you know what? Actually... They they go for it in a couple other elements because while oh, there's yeah, not a ton of gore in this movie, yeah, I am gonna get, pass this off to Riley because he was texting us yesterday, and I think he really he had a good handle on it.
1: Well, first you get the, I mean I think we all know that like that this is what happens under all that pressure, but like getting the crack, you're like, oh no, he's gonna die. But then it like quick cuts to him just exploding. <laughs> well yeah. imploding. And it's just a cloud of blood. Um I really enjoyed how quick they did that to really, you know, drive home the fact that they're at like I don't know how they said ten thousand pounds per square inch or whatever mm. it is. Um so I had a quick quick
0: question about that scene because on HBO Max this is listed as R. And it's PG thirteen in theatrical release, and I think listed as PG thirteen other places and I was trying to catch stuff that might have been added for like a extended cut even though the runtime was only like two minutes difference. When she was when Nora was swimming through, did she bump into like any teeth or like viscera when you guys watched? I think there were chunks.
1: I don't okay. I, okay. I didn't notice anything specific, but there were definitely chunks of him in the water. Yeah. yeah. And then the other great one is TJ Miller getting his leg pulled off and just the sp- <laughs> yep
0: <laughs> as soon as that noise happens and then just his whole suit fills with blood oh when he's getting pulled out of the suit too and the way his head jams oh yeah like and he it like gets forced up around his face and then he gets pulled through is so like it's so unsettling yeah,
2: yeah it you i always appreciate um like setting specific gore you know what i mean like those are two things that are very specific to, like, getting pulled out of a suit and getting depressurized, right? And so it's not like they just got their arm chopped off or something like that. It's, like, very specific to being fighting squid monsters underwater.
0: Right, yeah. They, they do something very unique with their kills where other movies might not have. Yeah. So, to transition... Before we get into full what we didn't like about this movie, let's talk about TJ Miller. And I cannot decide if I like that character or not because I'm so like prone to dislike the character because it's TJ Miller. And not even that he's like a terrible actor, but he's a shit person and it's just like I don't like watching him do anything. <laughs> So it's like, in the hands of another actor, would I have any reservations about this character and this performance?
2: I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I I actually liked T.J. Miller's character. Um, I also don't like him as a person. Um, but I, I think I can enjoy him in stuff without... Now, mm-hmm. I have the same problem with like Kevin Spacey now, right? Where like I have a hard yeah. time enjoying Kevin Spacey. But also, Kevin Spacey's characters are usually like cunning and evil, and so like maybe it's easier to like be like, no, thank you. Um, But T.J. Miller is usually like the comic relief, so I don't know if that has anything to do with why it's easier for me to avoid it or not. But I totally get why it doesn't work for you.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's not even that it doesn't work; it's just there's such a hill to climb for me to get over that and enjoy that character. Who would you recast in that role? I, you know, I've been trying to think about this. Um, I wouldn't hate Jake Johnson in that role.
1: I, I my, don't know. If my it mind works was though. going to Danny McBride,
2: allah, Alien, Alien Covenant. Covenant. Yeah, yeah.
0: McBride works there too. Yeah, he. That's better than Jake Johnson. He would have been a good.
2: I think you have to do like a similar body build too. Like they have to yeah. be like somewhat taller. They can't be in like great shape, you know what I mean? So
1: TJ Miller is looking thick in this one. <laughs> he he's real stout. Yeah. Uh you know
0: what? I think um Jonah Hill, but even, I think Jonah Hill like post weight loss could do it really well too. Cause he he has this very specific attitude to him that is similar to the attitude T J Miller has in this movie, but it's I, it's easier to stomach with Jonah Hill because he's not like a shit person. Otherwise,
2: see if we're picking if we're picking, you know, in the basically Seth Rogen universe. I mean, you could also yeah, do, the Appitau. You could verse. also do just Seth Rogen in that role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pistol, let me die. <laughs> <laughs> Squids. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know what? Cast me. I'll do it. I think with that, it's probably time to move into what we don't like about this movie. And what do you guys have?
2: Um, no. Um, go ahead, Riley.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: The, the only thing... I don't know that I can actually say I don't like, um, but I, I do think that there are portions of this movie that get slow. Um, so I'm probably mm-hmm. cheating a little bit for least favorite scene, um, or let down scene, but I mean, I think from when when the captain dies, to when she reunites, um, and basically to, like, the nest scene, um, I totally get why it's there, and that gets a little bit into, like, the isolation, and she's, like, losing her shit, and stuff like that, like, a little bit, but I also think that um, that's the weakest part of the movie, where it's the slowest um, and like nothing's happening, which it doesn't need to be act, all action all the time. But like that to me felt like a very clear, like, here's the second act after this movie type of thing, you know, after this portion. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I can agree with that. And I think that my biggest issue with this movie is that in parts, I feel like it just doesn't, it could be more. This movie could just be more than what it is, which what it is is still a very good movie and one I highly enjoy. But like, there's a few choices that could be made. You steer more into horror and or you just figure out your tone or you make just a few different changes and this movie is near perfect. Mm-hmm. I think one thing, there are some tonal issues in this movie and I don't think it could totally decide what it was going for all the time. Because parts of it take itself very seriously. And then you have the comic relief with TJ Miller. And then you have the... uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. But whatever tone Nora's narration at the beginning and end adds, you have that whole thing.
1: Yeah, that was kind of a weird beginning. Like, we're going to do this in the beginning and then leave it alone until the absolute end. Mm -hmm. But...
0: I, I dislike the narration writ large, the whole thing.
1: Yeah.
2: It it felt weird because it's it really is only at the beginning of the end, so it feels like intro and outro. And it's like mm-hmm. you know what I mean, unless there's and you don't really need it throughout the rest of the movie either. So it's not like it's an inconsistency thing as much as just like it doesn't really add that much.
0: Right. And the content of the narration feels very like YA novel. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. It brings up again ideas that like aren't really there throughout the rest of the movie. Um I'm trying yeah. to even remember what the end narration is. It's basically like something about blowing the fucker up or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but something in the dark, so let's light this shit up. And I audibly groan at that well, one.
2: Well, and and also I felt like in the beginning and the end they're trying to do like the dead fiance thing and Mm -hmm. it really isn't like an emotional anchor throughout the rest of the movie either like it kind of is but like you forget about the fact that that has happened to her like all the time you know what i mean which i do
0: kind of like just because it they don't overdo it either. I would much rather them underdo that That's element true. than overdo it. I mean, it. I can agree with that. I had some other like nitpicky things about this movie. Big one is why just... I The death is very good. But I... It's just... We are in 2020. This movie was released in 2020. And we're still having the whole trope of the black guy dies first. You don't have to do it. Like, just any other character you want to throw in there to have them get completely crushed by the pressure, just, you, we, we do not have need for that trope anymore. We never had need for that trope, but especially, like, now, stop. Just stop. Yeah. You're writing this movie. You can easily control and change that decision. Definitely. And then also the uh the explosion that would have significant global consequences. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I did think there were some cool um I know we're in what we don't like, but there are some cool elements um where like they make allusions to like this is a Titan class drill and like of course it opens up the world to the Titans. You know what I mean? Um I like that. I hadn't thought about that. Also, I don't know why they called it Titan Industries if they're just going to do the Titan class drill. Or just call it Titan Industry. You know what I mean? Like, let's right. just go all the way. Um,
0: I just assumed that was somebody's name.
2: I did like the. Uh, I did like the whole like aspect. I did
1: like that whole aspect though, with like the news articles at the beginning, at the end about mm-hmm. you know, it creates this other whole other cover-up mystery thing of. They're probably trying to bring that thing up on purpose, and you—you you definitely get like as I just dropped
0: in. Like there are big Wayland yutani vibes. Like they know what they're doing and they're acting like they don't, yeah. and they're keeping their crew in the dark. The um, the the captain knew though. I meant to bring this up earlier. Yeah. Because if you look in his locker when um, she is on the on that pod or that area when she opens up the locker and is like looking at maps and drawings and there's like the yarn and the line one of them goes to one of the original illustrations of Cthulhu from the original works and it's like pinned up on that on a spot on the map so they know they know what they're doing right which I do, I do really like, and somehow we've circled back into what we like about this movie, do you think, which I think says a lot. Yeah.
2: Do you think the captain told them Shepherd Station was gone so they wouldn't go there and find what happened?
0: I think that's almost certainly what happened. Right, because
2: it's it's still there. Like it's not connected to anything, but it's still there. Like all the stuff is still there. Right. So it's then, just run down. Yeah. Right. Right. Also. I, well, I'll just leave everybody's stuff <laughs> on the abandoned station. They're just like, "Uh, eh, no. You don't get to bring any of that with you on the neutral."
0: <laughs> yeah. All of your family memorabilia, yeah, don't leave bring
2: it. your don't bring your dead daughter's obituary. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Nah, I'll just leave that on the other rig." <laughs> with that, that does kind of make me think.
0: Do you think that he was still going out there. I don't know.
2: That's a good question.
0: I, I don't know. There is a lot of mystery that I do like that they left unanswered with this. Let's go ahead and keep it rolling and move into our
1: standout and let down scenes. Or uh, for standout. I think, uh I'm going to go with the nest scene. Yeah. Uh, highest tension. Uh, Gets gobbled up by a squidly diddly. Uh, blows her way out. Uh,
2: yeah, it's just cool.
1: Good use of a
0: flare gun.
2: Yes. Definitely. I, I think that, I mean, undisputed best scene of the movie. Yeah. I think it's hard to pick anything that, else. Especially because... It's the, so tense. The re- sorry. The reveal You're good to Daddy go, go, Squid go. Like, is right there. You know what I mean? So they're coupled just together and that's the best for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Well, you're you are tense as they're walking through the nest and then the alarm goes off. And that is such a moment of just like full like adrenaline spike as soon as that alarm and siren just starts wailing. Yeah. So I'm I'm with you guys on that. Now let's talk letdown scenes. It's hard it's very hard for me in this movie.
2: I think the only let down scene is kind of what I alluded to earlier. I just think the mm-hmm. when she goes to the shepherd station and she's like losing it or like sitting sad in the shower it's it's necessary for the movie, right? The movie kind of needs to mm-hmm. be sort of given a chance to breathe and like break, but I also felt like that was the time where I was like looking at my phone. You know what I mean? Like I just it didn't retain your interest as much as the rest of the movie
0: for sure I think one one thing for me is while it's right before the nest scene I think my least favorite part of this movie is just when she tackles Emily and like Emily's having a panic oh, yeah, attack like like rightfully because yeah. she just got tackled you she you don't have to make her snap out of it if you don't tackle her you're gaining on her she's dragging like right. 300 pounds
1: yeah absolutely unnecessary uh, I think I think my letdown uh, captain's sacrifice or killing himself it fe- I felt like there wasn't enough weight on that. Um, it didn't feel like a go on without me or you know there wasn't anything really significant about it just I think he work. was
0: trying to he was just ready to go. I don't think it was as much of a sacrifice as it was him being like, "I am done."
1: Maybe it was like aI fucked up." and what
2: have we done type thing? I don't know. Yeah. I felt uh, overall, right. There's only, there's only six characters in this movie, but, um, I almost would have liked maybe one more emotional anchor between the two of them. Like, I know they kind of have the Mm -hmm. daughter a little bit, but like, I felt like we were supposed to think they were super close, but they didn't ever actually show us a ton of why they would have been super right. close. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And she also, they she is close enough to know that he had a daughter, but she didn't know that the daughter had died.
2: Right. I took that to mean the captain did, didn't tell anybody.
0: Well, yeah, no, he didn't. But I imagine that if they were, I'm, I'm feeding into your point, if they were like super close, she would have gotten close enough to where she would have known yeah. that that is what happened. That would have come out had they gotten close enough. Right.
2: I also felt like it was weird. This is sort of a, a separate thing. I also thought it was weird that um, her fiancé was Smith's best friend, but they didn't seem like they were super close. Like, they, they kind of did. Um mm-hmm. But again, not really. So like, I just thought it was interesting. Like I know it's a huge drill, and there's a huge crew. It's so like they maybe all wouldn't hang out with each other all the time. Um, but there's a few emotional connections that didn't seem as strong, but
0: right, no, I'm with you on that. i it it suffers from, well, I mean, really, any of these movies like this, the thing Alien, any of them with a crew in a situation like this, a lot of them don't have a connection to each other, which for better or worse, is just what happens with these movies. And I wish that we got more of them actually being fairly tight knit in all these movies. Like the thing Alien I the best example of it is Jaws, is the three guys who do not know each other but become incredibly close. Throughout this whole process, yeah. yeah,
2: and maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is that they are not yeah. super close, and so they don't need all these connections. Um, but then it does have a little bit less emotional weight when someone dies. And they're just like, ah, oh, that sucks. Uh, all right, well, you know, <laughs> so which is again just a choice, and it's totally fine. So, all
0: right, so let's, you know, we didn't talk about any list for any sort of draft today. So, let's just... You know what? Let's go back to the original. What are three movies that you would enjoy if you like this movie?
2: Do we want to do some...
0: Except for Alien, because I'm taking that. I was
2: just going to say, do we want to do some... You can't pick the obvious ones, but... <laughs> yeah.
1: Speaking of Alien, though, I forgot to mention this. Uh, the T.J. Miller role would be an excellent Bill Paxton role.
2: Yes. If yes. this was
1: set back then.
2: Yes.
0: 100%. Even though, like incredibly different physically, Paxton absolutely nails that role oh, if yeah. he has
1: it. Oh, yeah. Really,
0: let's just rattle off what is this movie similar to. Let's look at it that way. Um, We don't have to do... We're, we're getting back in the swing of things. We don't have to do our pick three, etc. Let's just talk about influences and movies that you would like, just for a couple minutes.
1: Uh, This movie is pretty similar to the movie uh, The Meg, I don't know if either of you guys ever ended up seeing that. I did not. Yeah, that's for the better. Um, But it, I mean, the Meg, they, yeah, basically drill down, open up this weird temperature thing where the Megalodon's been living, blah, blah, blah. There's an underground, underwater sea base. It's very, very
0: simple. Sea Lab 2020.
2: Yeah. I've never actually seen the Meg. Is it is it more than just like Sharknado? Like, is it a better quality than that, or is it still pretty ridiculous? Uh, yeah, it's still pretty ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> rain Wilson, though, <laughs> incredible
1: collection of Jordans in that movie. For some reason,
2: huh. <laughs> what a what a dream right. to be an actor and just be like, you know what? I'm gonna break out my entire Jordan collection for this for this yeah. movie. Or better yet, get someone to buy me 20 pairs of Jordans for this movie. Yeah, exactly. That's
0: what do. You know, another one I think would really work if you liked this. Um, and it's another movie that a couple years earlier, but really flew under the radar. Not a lot of people watched it, but Life with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, that's the space station oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I loved that movie. Really? Where Ryan Reynolds just gets got early. And they really bait and switch you on that.
2: It's basically like the Scream trailer. With yeah, it,
0: exactly the Scream.
2: Um, I was trying to think. There's a couple of the movies that are very similar to this. Um, in the Abyss and the Void. Um,
0: Ooh, the Void is a great call. The
2: the Abyss is more like, hey, what would it take to be like a crew? at the bottom of the ocean like it's way more like mechanical like it's almost more like a U571 type movie like there is some alien mm-hmm. element but it's more like people go crazy and the void is like the way lovecraftian you know version of a of a deep sea movie so both of those i think are a good comparison the very similar setting problems etc
0: mhm and then for a few movies i haven't seen but i know they have to be in this conversation: Deep Star Six, Leviathan,
1: Sphere, all of those.
2: Oh, Sphere's a good pick. Um, great. book. I was also gonna. Th- I was gonna throw way. out
1: Pacific Rim.
2: Oh uh, yeah, I like yeah. that. I mean, I think you could you could really compare this to any giant monster movie. Either. I think mm-hmm. what's different about this one is it's it's a. It's a horror movie cuz there's people-sized antagonists, you know, that go along with this, and then there's a the big monster. So it's not like Right. Godzilla has like some mini Godzillas running around. Oh, he has uh, some wait, mini Godzilla uh,
1: running uh, no, around, sir. Wait. Yeah. Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Godzilla oh. lays her eggs in Madison Square Oh, I was garden. thinking Godzilla Jr. Oh. Yeah, I mean they got the yeah, son of Godzilla. He's the
0: dopiest looking kaiju in the world. <laughs> but
1: yeah, in the the nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, whatever it was, Godzilla Godzilla lays its eggs in Madison Square Garden, and there's a bunch of baby Godzillas.
2: Oh man,
0: I don't think <laughs> one of them is J.R. Smith.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just swinging that lizard arm. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: let's go into ratings and then wrap up for the day.
1: Uh, let's I'll go, s- Riley yeah, Jeff, I'll start. Um... This movie was pretty good. Um, I don't know if I'd revisit it ever. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, you know, it was it was a fun watch. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a seven.
2: I'm between um, an eight and an eight and a half. I think I'm going to land at an eight and a half. Um, I had a ton of fun watching this movie. I mean, I, I rewatched it again because I I liked it. Right. But like I rewatched this in the span of two weeks um, and I didn't feel like the second time was boring or anything like that. So I think for me, this will be a revisit, um, especially like a turn your brain off a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. This is a good summer movie. Like I totally see this being like a movie where you get in the grooves of how it happens and it becomes like a comfort movie, a little bit like an alien yeah. or something like that, where you just kind of. I don't know. So for me, I thought it was really good. I thought it had a couple of things I would maybe do different with it. Um, I kind of wish it had more big scares. Um, Like I would have taken out some of the action and done a couple more jump scares or a couple more like creepy off in the distance. But overall, I think it does a good job. I probably wanted it to be more horror, but it does a good job on that line of blockbuster action with horror elements. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what
0: I alluded to earlier. There's so much more that this movie could have been had they chosen to really steer into a direction instead of doing a few different things and then making some big choices that they built their movie around with the Cthulhu reveal at the end. But I'm, I'm landing at an 8. I, I wanted to go a little higher, I think, initially and I stated an eight just because there is so much that I feel like this movie could have been, but I had an incredible time with it. I revisited it yesterday um, for this episode and loved it again. And I just, I do wish that they had gone more into the horror, but the fact that this is what we got with some popcorn horror, with a popcorn horror movie, that's still incredible to me.
2: Yep, totally agree
0: so highly recommend you watch it if you haven't if you made it this far in the podcast though i hope you have watched it because there will be no surprises for you at this point anyway this has been another episode of who the hell is this for welcome back it's season three we are glad you guys are here and thank you for listening